0: Thank you.
1: Welcome to Motorcult, episode forty-seven. I'm Eric Berger, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Sinitsky. Hello, uh, hello there. And uh, moving right on into it, we have Randy Stern back once again. Hello, everybody. Thanks, again, thanks for coming back, sir. Uh, great to be back. We, we love yes, returning guests because welcome. we don't actually like going through the list of like the standard questions. I mean, we need to set the <laughs> yeah. Well, the mood. Yeah.
2: Um. We will eventually have hep from uh, pristine detail on, but. He keeps getting pushed back because I schedule him at the worst time.
1: Yep. Wasn't that so, the Chariot of the Gods overlap? I sh- yeah. I, 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 scheduled, like, I
2: scheduled him during Chariots of the Gods. Uh, and I couldn't push, so we just had to cancel. Then I scheduled him when I was out of town at Car Week. The poor guy. He's really interesting. He's really cool. I want to have him on super For sure. badly. Um,
1: I'm, I'm looking forward to the winter when I actually have like some time off where I can yeah, go talk so to a lot of these people. We're going like, to get we're the, gonna uh, have a lot of these people on oh, yeah. at the worst time of the year. <clears throat> That's fine. That's what most people are inside listening to this crap anyway.
2: Yeah, I guess yeah. There's... Like, yeah.
1: I want to. I still want to get uh, Tyler and Molly from the Cannonball and the Cannonfall stuff on. Okay. I really wanted to do that before the run this year, but we will see how that worked. So, um, also, I, I want to note because
2: we never spend any time actually talking about this. We do have a Patreon. Yes, and we do. If you have a question for us. You can subscribe to us
1: for a well a question for us to answer to or answer, cover yeah. yes or just a question for us yeah, that's true we will answer that privately if you say so as <laughs> such <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's true. <laughs>
2: <clears throat> yeah, you, you can join Patreon. I believe it's... How much is it per month to, uh, it's, ha- to have a question?
1: For the question, I believe it's the $5 month level. The $5 a month. if you okay. contribute anything, it just helps us buy like show beer, basically. Yes, and we, we will we give do you do not make out. anything on the show. So if you do that, that would be super nice. You certainly don't have to. We'll keep doing it either way. But the links for the Patreon are, as always, in the uh, description on the podcast, on yes. SoundCloud, iTunes, and on YouTube.
2: And on the blog. On the blog as well. When I do those... Occasional updates where I just... And we will get to Twitch at some point, too. I do, like, 17 updates in, like, one night every six months, so... Yeah, it kind of throws me for a loop, but it's yeah, all good. that's like I did with the Japanese Nostalgia Car Boogaloo episode.
1: I do like the word boogaloo. It's a great word, boogaloo. Especially if it's preceded by electric. <laughs> yeah, electric boogaloo. The electric boogaloo is just like, all right...
2: Our second uh, episode with Ben uh, will have it be Japanese Nostalgia Car to Electric Boogaloo.
1: I'm fine with that. That would be fantastic. We'll just have to work on a couple of, like, I'll put the EVSE topic in we'll, there, too. We'll I'll talk
2: go. about the Tama electric car, the first electric car from Japan. Uh, I guess anyway. that would be acceptable. <clears throat> Randy, what are you driving?
3: Oh, what I'm driving is a 2018 Hyundai Kona SEL with only front-wheel drive. <laughs> I know, so, I know. Moving on.
1: Is that a 1.6? <laughs> It's a two liter. Ooh, turbo or naturally aspirated? Unfortunately,
3: naturally aspirated. Now, the reason why I'm saying unfortunately, because I naturally drove the cu- b- b- it. Naturally aspirated? This
2: sounds. You're really not doing a good job selling this car, dude.
3: No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, actually,
2: it's not you. You didn't design it. It's Hyundai. You're just the guy who has to. It's a CUV. Yeah, you, you, just yes. have, you just have to say the words. It's a small we don't like
3: CUV. It's a very small CUV. Hey, you know well, what it
2: also has? Uh, a Marzen across the street from it because I'm
1: about to drink this. That too, but I was going to say it has like the you know the Pontiac Aztec Honda Element Toyota FJ Cruiser and non-body-colored bumpers to save <laughs> an insurance cost. Exactly. I thought we were done with that.
3: Unfortunately, Hyundai said, oh, look, an Aztec, and just drafted it onto a small SUV. But no, no, but, but on the flip That's side... That's
2: the of... first Summit I've ever had
1: that I didn't immediately... Oh, yeah, hit. we are drinking Summit Oktoberfest, by the um, way. It's we are drinking
2: Summit Oktoberfest... I usually detest everything that they make. This one's okay.
1: Randy, just pushed through. <laughs> right.
3: Well, you know, I mean, I just, you forgot to talk about the beer, so I let you have Thank the time you. to yeah, talk about the beer. are to, get you're, right supposed into to be, beer first. you're supposed know. to talk about the beer.
2: That's the first thing you do on this, on this podcast. It's even on the notes. Exactly. The notes are more like a vague guide.
1: See, Wait. everyone? They're on the notes. Beer. That's
2: right.
3: So anyway, so back <laughs> to the Kona briefly, and I want to get into... Uh, the reason why I'm here. No, the Kona, uh, it's really a really good car
2: for its, pro- for its segment. CUV for its segment.
3: Small CUV. Very, very small so CUV. what are what, its competitors?
2: What is it, what is it, well, I guess more importantly, what is it based off of? It's actually its own new platform. Oh, so you can't even get coilovers for it? <laughs> don't you wish? <laughs> like, actually, I saw one, and I was putting together, uh, I think, now, stillborn article that was going to do saying like five equally as ugly crossovers that can replace the Nissan Juke. Yep. And uh. the honey cone I initially put on there, but when I was looking, I, I kind of like the way it looks. I just don't like the fact it's a CUV. And if I could lower it and make it into not a CUV, I'd be a lot more into it.
3: I would agree with you on that one because it would look a lot better as a replacement for the accent. The the accent has gone just so boring. It looks like an
2: Elantra. Well, no, it's a Hyundai. Of course it's going to go that way. Yeah,
3: because that's called design
2: continuity. Well, no, you can have design continuity and not be boring. It's more of Hyundai, they build their cars as a widget. It's they're uh, they're the equivalent they're Korean equivalent of a Zaibatsu, like Mitsubishi.
3: Mm, correct. Yep, yeah, I, I got it.
1: Yeah, it's just one of many things that they make. It's just a widget. It's a random, ununique, interchangeable good.
3: I will say this is the second one I've driven. The first one I drove in Detroit back in June, and it was for a day but we were uh, doing a media event there, and I had the uh, 1.6 Turbo Ultimate all-wheel drive. This one's kind of the uh, flip side, so it's like the second up from base. It, you know what? It's utilitarian, and but when you look at that, that means it's a value. So I look at it from a value standpoint. As far as, I mean, it's a spunky little engine of 147 horsepower. It's only got front-wheel drive. Uh,
2: I think that would probably help it be spunkier. What does it have for a transmission?
3: It's this, it's a real six speed automatic, and I okay. mean my real because the other uh, the six one six yeah, turbo. I was, I was hoping it wasn't a dual clutch. Nope, it, that's what you get when you get the one six. Is turbo. there a yeah. manual option? Unfortunately, no.
2: I have zero interest in this vehicle. Yeah, then, that's a terrible vehicle. <laughs> <And> we? It's <laughs> well, no, it's it's the thing where this is a vehicle. I think I think the Kona. Is very close to Hyundai being able to make something cool. Yes. And I think what they should, or what I would have probably pushed for if I was working with them, would be manual for sure, 100% mm-hmm. manual Absolutely. option. Um, and if I worked in the engineering department, I would find a way to partsman engineer it to use like Elantra suspension or something. I would agree So I that. could then have a customer I can lower it.
3: In particular, the Elantra Sport. Yes, the Elantra Sport,
2: drives like ass. It does, but they've well, got coilovers for them. Well, actually, though. It's getting drive, better. Well, it's I,
3: getting better, but if you drive the Elantra Sport or the Elantra GT Sport
1: with, yeah, with the 2 I haven't turbo. driven that. All I know is in the base trim, they did not figure out anything as far as shock tuning. So
2: that, that's a big difference. Well, again, that's... It's a widget. It's nobody cares about that. It's for grandma to go
1: get her groceries. But other interchangeable widgets from other companies drive much better because of that.
2: You know, um, Road and Track had an article on Friday about cars that sell really well but damage their brand. Hmm. I feel like Hyundai, Porsche
1: Cayenne. Yeah, Yeah. well, their their
2: their (laughs) big name drop was the the front wheel drive. GM luxury cars of the 1980s mm-hmm. or like the Chevy Citations and the yep. Ford the first generation second generation Ford Explorer uh okay yeah yeah those ones and i feel like Hyundai every car they release is dangerously close to that like they but are but they don't have the they're brand one loyalty. they're one mechanical they're one mechanical recall away from having something like that totally damaged the brand cuz the yeah i mean they don't have brand loyalty but that's the thing they're just making consistently good enough cars. Mm-hmm. And if they make one that's not good enough, that's going to set them back and make them look more like Daewoo, like they used to be uh, compared to.
3: Yeah, but the thing is, they got a lot of money floating around in that company between them, Genesis, and, and Kia. Yeah. And so there's a lot of money floating around. They're not. The thing is. is that... you
2: know, no, no, that, that's the thing. If you think about it, the citation, and that's how you saying these are cars that sold super well. The oh, citation's yeah. one. A very good example of that, where GM, when they made that, had a lot of money floating around. Right, but that's one of those things where that was, you know, a million customers, well, eight hundred eleven thousand per year for however long they made it, that bought that car mm-hmm. and then decided to buy an Accord. But Hyundai exactly. Kia are in
1: the position that Lexus was in when they came to market. Still, they can't afford to make those mistakes that so their engineering around them.
2: And th- that's kind of why I, what I'm saying. Well. That's what I'm saying. It's like you make one engineering mistake, or you make you cut one corner because we we know that manufacturers cut corners. You cut one corner, the wrong one,
1: and then you end up in a shitstorm. Right, and they will start doing that at some point. But I don't think they're in danger of doing it. I don't.
2: I don't think that they can. I don't think they'd be able to weather it like Volkswagen would. But let me
3: let me let me backtrack a little bit, and I'll tell you. You know, we we want to go back to 1986 when they first came to the United States with the new with the then new XL,
2: which. A good car that a, I actually like. A really good car. He also car, likes but, 1986.
3: Yeah, but it was yes. 1986. But then again, everybody came back and said the quality was terrible. Uh, the, there was no power to it. And you got, you know, you paid at least $5,000 new for a, uh, Hyundai, for a brand new Hyundai XL. And again, it was like everything was exposed. And even Hyundai themselves admitted look, we pushed this to market. It wasn't our best product. It wasn't our best, and it took them about maybe thirteen years to finally figure out, hey, for a global market, we need to make a better product. So they started the ten-year, one hundred thousand-mile powertrain warranty, thinking, hey, we're gonna we're making better cars, let's back that thing. So they gotten better on some levels, but you're right, there are some things where it is widgety, utilitarian. Well, uh, well but, there's
2: nothing wrong with utilitarian. Don't get me wrong there. I, but I agree. It's, it's the widgety, and it, I think it's, in the words of Jason Torshinsky, mm. meh. Yeah,
1: it, it's. it's <laughs> they sold themselves as the value proposition brand, yeah. and Correct. now that their product is competitive, and they don't need that ten year, hundred thousand mile powertrain warranty to compete, they need to shed that, and yeah. it's very so, tough for them to do.
3: No, they're not going to give that up. I could tell you that it's, right now. It, they're, no, they're not giving that up. No, but I,
2: I think that they're they're going to probably look at the what Volkswagen, Honda, Toyota had. You know, had to go. Nissan had to go through mm-hmm. when they brought their luxury markets brand and the Volkswagen syndrome, mm-hmm. where cars like the Phaeton don't oh, sell yeah. as well, regardless of the fact that they're literally the exact same thing as the A8. They're not though. Or the Volkswagen Quantum not selling because that was based off the Audi five thousand platform, right. if I'm not mistaken. It's I think act- no, in. it's actually a Mark II Passat. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. The the Mark II Passat, the Quantum, the Quantum was just the wagon. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah,
1: those are interesting vehicles.
2: Very interesting. So th- <laughs> that's
1: yeah. The A8 was even that generation A8 was still. One of them was aluminum. One of them was steel. Yeah. But other than that, they were very mechanically similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: That that that's the thing is the, uh, I think actually I think it might have been the Phaeton
1: that was aluminum. I don't remember. One of them no, was. Audi no, Audi was. I, I, I thought, I was thought the it like, was. The I, little I, little the, I feel
2: like the the Phaeton they put in more ridiculous stuff because yeah, they, that that was the pet project. They went, over a, the, they went over project. The top on the Phaeton. Oh, was, yeah. It was it was a pet project of the CEO. Yep. Right. Yeah.
1: Skunkworks.
2: Anyway, so yeah, Hyundai. I just I, I feel like they're doing well now. I feel like you know I don't want them to fail because you know I will say I no I can I'll name five Hyundai's that I really 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 like like actually would go out of my way to buy, and I'll do it right now, the second generation Sonata, the one from they the early 90s. They don't sell that anymore. Uh, the first generation Tiburon. They, they also don't sell don't that sell anymore. anymore. Um, they don't uh, sell They... That N thirty or whatever that hot hatch. I thirty N, here. which they don't the say thir- here. The I thirty uh, N, that one. It's called the Elantra GT. No, it's it's not very the same thing. Vehicle. It looks very different. Yes, it it's, is. No, it's a, it's different weight. It's different wheelbase. Different powertrain. Different powertrain. It's totally different. Okay, anyway, no, it literally is. <laughs> I'm not arguing not with car. you guys. I'm just telling you what it is. it has is. a different engine in it. Like, can you look up the uh, yeah, engine codes? I'm going. Thank you. Um, no, they,
3: they put American, they put em- engines for the American market because the European market, the Euro- global market won't fit for our market. So blah. Well, that's a terrible that's, thing. To again say. <laughs> a different car. Uh, yeah, different powertrain. That, that's trainer.
2: totally different. That's like saying that's like saying the uh, the JZX or, or the the. I uh, got okay, one second. The third generation Supra with the 2.5 liter in Japan. And the third generation Supra in the United States were the same car. Yeah, they made the same power, but the one in America had a seven M GTE in it, and the one in and Japan had a one JC. Totally different engines, right? And Once this is way the more N, reliable.
3: Which is the more powerful version, of course. Which is right, yeah. but it's, it's not
1: just the powertrain. I mean, it it's the, the, the whole suspension car. tuning. Like this has the big four piston Brembo brakes on it. It's got no, better no, no. seats, better interior. Yeah, we're, it's it's entirely. Yeah,
3: here's the thing: we're not getting that one. We're actually getting the first N that's coming for Hyundai is the right. Veloster.
1: What we're illustrating which... is that the Elantra GT is not the i30 N.
3: Yeah. Uh, okay.
1: Well, that's what we're trying to say. No,
3: but there are base i30s that are the, exactly that.
1: The one. platform is the same. Yes. Very different uh, car.
2: But anyway, that, to round up my list,
1: um, yeah. the
2: Genesis Coupe I actually was a fan of. I liked the way those drove. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Those When those came out, I'm like, wow, that's a Hyundai? Two liter uh, turbo, good looks, rear wheel drive, manual. The original uh, Hyundai
2: Pony from the late 1970s. The ones we didn't get. <laughs> <laughs> Which we didn't get.
1: Also was designed by <laughs> Giorgio Giugiaro Oh, it,
2: man.
3: It, yeah, I can't believe when they got him in 83 in Canada. It was like, hey, what are we missing? Sure enough, the XL showed up.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I think, that, that's, think the story of, that's the story of Hyundai is they'll have a cool product. We'll get something else like it. I just want to but end not this the same thing.
3: I'll just end this Hyundai uh, business by saying, you know, I know there's gonna be some other products I'll be looking at in the next six, twelve months. One of them I'm really looking forward to is the new Genesis G seventy, which is the That's
2: which, the one we're taking aim with the S class, right? No, that's oh. the G ninety. The G ninety, okay. The G
3: seventy is more towards three series, C mm. class, uh that's the potential A4. to be a good car. Uh, some of the, some of my uh, colleagues have driven it already and they're like, wow, this is good. Now they didn't say, is it rear wheel drive? Yes. That's the that most, is good. that is the most important thing Manual <laughs> available with the two liter turbo. That's no shit. Cool. All right.
2: See that, that, that is something that can make
1: Hyundai actually have a, a following. Yeah, like a legit falling, not, not just. Not, well, <laughs> yeah, they're still, really trying to. They're trying to step away from Hyundai with the Genesis again. Sure it, they yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah, that is. But kinda, they probably shouldn't that, start that with that is, a name that was a Hyundai model.
2: Uh, that's true. Like they're like, they're like one foot in, one foot out of tra- getting themselves into the Volkswagen syndrome. We yeah. call this a
1: lateral. <laughs>
2: so um, yeah, there's a lot of those here. You know, sp- speaking of cars that are from countries that you don't necessarily associate with really good cars. Mm-hmm. apparently India has a new supercar. They do. Uh, Top Gear Magazine reviewed it, and uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I have not had a chance, and nor will I ever have a chance <laughs> to review this because this is in India, and there's no way they're going to fly me out. If they want to fly me out, I will absolutely go and uh, look at this car. But It
1: looks like a Zenvo.
2: It does. It's a DC, <laughs> uh, It's a, called DC Avanti. It's you know, actually, designed... let me
1: pull up a picture of a Zenvo while you're talking.
2: It's designed for the Indian market. So it actually... It's got ride height that's apparently like thirty centimeters uh lower than a Range Rover Velar. And it's only it's uh I think it's like within thirty centimeters okay. of the height of a Bugatti, of a Bugatti Chiron. Which is it makes the car have a really weird look and kind of get some like fish like proportions. Oops. But yeah, that does look like a Zimbo. Ah. You're you are right. It looks like a yep. Zimbo. yeah. So
1: there's the Bombay bad boy. The D C Avanti, the D C Avanti, whatever. There's a Zenvo S T One. I think they might be using some leftover bodies or something. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but the um, so the the car, it's got the engine out of a Renault Megane R S. So it's
1: That's a pretty good four engine. cylinder
2: turbo. Yep, I think uh, those are two liter turbos. Yeah, that? two liter turbo, manual transmission, nice. rear wheel drive, mid engine.
1: Is it transverse or longitudinal? I suppose uh, it's it probably transverse. Is it transverse. It is transverse. I gotcha. So, uh, it kinda looks like a little fish
2: like and everything. But
1: the back is almost like that. What's that Chinese car? The the uh it looks like a, a sea bass on the front. I'm oh no, it's like Japanese.
2: It. It's a Mitsuoko yeah. Arishi.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sorry, the back looks like a Mitsuoka, whatever the hell. Mitsuoko orishi. <laughs> yeah. There. Um
2: God. Yeah, that uh <laughs> I, the the things that I know. <laughs> but, yeah, I, yeah. So they were saying that this car, you know, it it's probably if you're calling it a supercar, it's probably the worst saying supercar. It's got it, it, the rear end kicks out it's oversteers uncontrollable it's got really soft suspension like nothing's quite that good <laughs> but the thing is in India driving it in context it makes sense yeah because I'll plow through their like six inch wide or their um, Six-meter-wide, like, one-foot-deep potholes. Like, Indian roads are terrible.
1: I was going to say, there is a photo of it on an Indian road, and you can yeah. see the ground clearance that's on this thing.
2: So, actually, that's kind of cool to see it do that, and I feel like I really want to see DC Avanti enter this into some sort of, like, rallying. Yeah. Because that would actually give it a racing pedigree. It looks like
1: it's on some sort of special stage, yeah. Yeah, it looks really cool. Like, it actually I like looks like that. a ton
2: of fun because of the suspension travel. Yeah, it looks really <laughs> rad. But, uh they were saying that um, this car is actually, you know, it, it's actually it, it's terrible in every measurement. Oh, okay. But <laughs> um, there's them again. Don't engine. let that keep you from buying one because that car is fantastic. Apparently, is the engine in the front? No, it's in the rear. Okay. But uh, they're like the interiors chintzy. Everything's chintzy. Everything fits the nearest inch. But it, you know, it's it's from India. Do you it, know how much it costs? Like forty thousand dollars. Okay, like it does not cost much money. Like it's within the price range, of like a STI, a Civic Type R, a Golf R. And you know what? If I had that as an option in America, yeah, I, would I would buy that. This I would one hundred percent take that over anything we have in America. It looks like it's got a
1: twenty-year-old tractor coolant reservoir in it. It like doesn't a bunch have. It, of it weird... does not have an airbag. <clears throat> Good. So yeah. we, we probably won't well, get at it that.
2: Here. The interior looks like it's from a Hyundai Tiburon. It but... does. <laughs> <laughs> like a first gen one. Let's like, a yeah, little bit of color Like work a first gen Hyundai Tiburon. It looks... Or like
1: an E36 M3 with the extended leather package. Yes. There you go.
2: It, it, it's not the best looking interior. But you know what? It's, it's a really cool car. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. And I think the DC Avanti, I'm a, it's got such an awkward shifter. I'm going to put that up there with one of my favorite
1: cars. It are looks currently like
2: they're only in production. That
1: was, okay. What that shifter is, it is an early Trimic T56 C4. It's shifter.
2: actually a Renault Megan shifter. I know, but
1: like <laughs> it looks for the people that aren't watching the video version, which where yeah. are you? Yeah. It it it, it looks just like it that looks early like that. Tremec yeah, it's, C4 shifter.
2: It's it's not the prettiest interior. No. I mean none of this is that pretty, but you know how much of a fan I am of the AW11 MR2. Yes. This is a modern AW11 MR2,
1: kind of it is. A, know, I'm gonna leave it on the photo of this old confused Indian man. <laughs> that is. A that good is exam. a perfect. That's a perfect look. But they, they said. Uh,
2: <clears throat> they said another thing on the in the article. They were talking about Indian drivers and how they were stereotypically like the worst drivers in the world. Yeah. And you know, if you've never seen uh, what an Indian road looks like, it's people, cows, and bicyclists, and tuk tuks, semi trucks, and everything, mm-hmm. having complete utter faith in that there is a God that has a predetermined destiny for them. And so they just lay on the horn and just <laughs> go through <laughs> the intersection. I'm a Akbar! Yeah, basically. But yeah, there's not, not that many uh, Muslim people in India. but um, Yeah, that's a joke. Yes. <laughs> the they, What they said was, these are actually probably some of the best drivers in the world because they get through that and they get to work. Yeah. Like you hear about people that drive down 494 and don't make it to work. Yeah. In India, you have to drive through a literal maelstrom, and then you get to work. And then you have to drive through that maelstrom back, and you have to do it 365 days a year. So, yeah, they are saying they're basically the best drivers in the world to be able to do that every day and not die. Sure. So, no, yeah, that's a lot of qualifiers, but yes, it's true. Yeah, no, but they were... Uh, Top Gear said that there was a very good car for the money, and it's a great first supercar from India, and... Yeah, you know, they're looking forward it's to it. It's a lot it. better than a Tata
1: and, Nano by the looks of it.
2: I'm just excited that that exists because I, yeah. I, I wish that was not built just for domestic production. I wish that I could get that. What'd you call it? IDM, Indian Domestic Market. Yep. Yes, it can be about that.
1: <laughs> we need more DMS.
2: Yeah, yeah, we do need more uh, DMS that are unique. DSM, that, that, yeah, yeah. Not DMS, yeah, domestic markets. Yep. Yeah, you, you need more domestic markets that are unique. <laughs>
1: Wow, that's quite a slip. Yeah. That, but, I mean, they're, You know, once one of those things gets crashed and totaled, you could just ship it over here and rebuild it with IDM parts. It's true.
2: I mean, you probably can, <laughs> and there's no trade tariff on it because it's not made in China
1: at all. It's literally oh made God. entirely in India. And it's not a luxury car, so no, Trump won't not. try to tax you a tariff on it or whatever.
2: And, yeah, if you get that as a show or display only title from... Brian, from International yep. Vehicle Importers. Come Actually, on, Top Rank. We want one of these. You know what? I could probably see if they could just do that, because that is an important car. That's the first supercar that ever from India. That is a significant vehicle. That is a, a very significant takes, vehicle. It takes and a
1: very I, significant amount of paperwork to prove that. But but I would love to have
2: that. And I also really want, if DC Avanti, if for some reason you found our podcast absolutely take that out rallying because yes. that would be so badass. Dress that would... it
1: up like one of the 70s rally 911s and just go
2: What, what was that the mid-engine Lancia that had like a Delta front end, but it looked O37. like... O37. The O37. It, it reminds me of a modern O37. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere between an MR2 and an O37.
1: Yeah, that thing with narrow tires, like old uh oz racing rally wheels yeah. mud flaps a bunch of lights on the front that'd be really awesome yeah I that'd would... be
2: a dope rally car actually i'm
1: fully on board with this yeah. I, you know what dc Avanti? if you want to fly us out to campaign one of those at a rally we will totally we will. do that for or you.
2: or if you want us to campaign one of those at the polar run we will do that for you you just but need you to fly have to it register to it and us. make it legal here
1: yes <laughs> you need to fly it to us yep and federal oh, and, then, it, and federal? then leave it here. for Don't us. forget
2: the winter tires. Yeah, yes, we can and the handle that. tires.
1: I'll buy winter we tires. We do
2: Pike Speak with it. We can have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, the DC we'll, we'll Avanti. campaign it all over the country. Yeah, actually, I, I would now we campaign it. I'll probably daily drive it. This is in not Matt
1: Farah's case. million mile DC Avanti. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is not. This is Motor Cult's twenty thousand mile <laughs> beaten to a pulp DC
1: Avanti, it's falling in half. <laughs> too many rallies. The interior is too lived in.
2: Apparently the limits for twenty foot jumps in a DC Avanti is thirty five. We
1: have at the jump point, counter enabled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at, at
2: that point the car rips in half.
1: But <laughs> and, <laughs> and then yeah, we'll have to part it out at that point probably. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we will. Well
2: then, well, then you know Jana really likes Renault, so there you, there you go. go. Boom, she has well, got a McGann power plant
1: to put in something. You
2: know what? You could <laughs> you could get that service at a Nissan dealership. Yes, you could. Anyway, Randy, yes, how do you feel give about your that your car? Hand up. Wow. Uh...
3: I think you guys should get a DC Avante to test dive and, and even to take it on the polar rally. The thing is though is that isn't it just rear wheel drive?
2: Yes. Yeah it is. Okay, but done. That's the best way. Well wheel drive. no, that that's the thing, is actually mid engine rear-wheel drive cars had very good racing pedigrees.
3: Exactly. So you put it on the polar run, you swap out some winter tires, you're done. It's awesome. It'll yeah, be great. and be
2: I mean, yes. if you think of like what everything Lancia did, the O thirty seven, the uh Stratos Ferrari mm-hmm. had, w- did, didn't they make the 488 for Group B? I don't know. But, yeah. I don't for, really follow any racing fer- stuff Ferrari really. had some uh, Renault 5 rally Turbo cars. was a successful rear-wheel drive. Yeah. Rear-wheel uh, uh, the, well, that one was, oh, yeah, it was it was rear-wheel drive. I was to say the Peugeot Plus, yeah. T16, but that one was all-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there was a lot of very
1: successful rear-wheel drive mid-engined rally cars. It's a perfect setup for it. There were even few that beat the early AWD cars. That's yeah. true, yeah. But there, was a, there was a period in time, yeah.
2: The
3: good thing about the DC Avante is that, yes, we talked about how the quality is lacking, but then again...
1: By our standards.
3: By our standards, which of course, uh, compared to say a Tata or a Mahindra,
1: or even like a Jaguar Land Rover product, or a and you well, see uh, an
3: Ambassador.
2: Ew! Yeah. Shots ay-yo, fired. Shots fired. <clears throat> That's right. No, you, you you do bring up a good point. Compared to what they have there, that the quality there's a difference in quality. Yeah. But I think also that this is meant to be more of a driver's car. Yeah. Because if this is designed for right. actual performance, mm-hmm. it would be an inch off the ground. And it I would bet be that's way totally... better than most modern
1: supercars, Yeah, just it would... because it's, it, it's that's a, a limited dr- amount of power.
2: A driver's <laughs> car, you don't care what it looks like, you just care about how it drives. And I bet that interior probably feels fucking
1: awesome. Yeah, the steering wheel looks comfortable and all that, so yeah. very driver-centric controls. I would sit in that. I would hoon it, for sure. Yeah, I don't know if it has stability or charging control. I hope it's defeatable I if it does. I don't think it does. Probably I don't, not but it don't doesn't even have an airbag. Th- I don't even think it has ABS. <laughs> Good. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Randy, you uh-huh. look disgusted as I said no, that. No, I was it wasn't. Uh, I'm like,
3: <laughs> no, I'm just thinking, I'm just slashing right now going, you two in a DC Avanti. It would be great. It would be awesome. It would have the but most 80s rap on it, But I have, to, but it, I have to look at it going, I need it to would. step away for a few inches because these guys are coming through. Yeah. yeah. no, we going to be talking We'll go we'll shit. through the
1: gates backward and They're, possibly on fire.
2: Nice. Actually, I mean... Sounds like a 458 Ferrari. One more thing about the Hindustan (laughs) ambassador. India already does have a uh, history with rally and very successful rally drivers. Joe Hinder Singh, which was called the Flying Sick.
1: Yeah, we are not that good. But if uh, they want a motor cult wrap on their rally car when they campaign the DC Avanti... That will be a thing. Let's do that.
2: But no, Joe Hinder Singh was Datsun's rally driver for all their multi-country, like, point-to-point rallies that they did. Mm mm-hmm. And he kicked ass and took names. Uh, t- any, like... As you said,
1: you learn how to avoid vehicles with no headlights and taillights in the middle of a street with people it's working on like them underneath. It's kind of like Finland. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, just, it's completely different, but very... Very no, effective. it's it's the
2: same concept. It's like Finland. Finland, everybody's right. a very good rally driver because you have to be because
1: they go to excellent clean facilities and they have very diligent reports of how you did. Well,
2: not <laughs> that. <yeah>. I, mean, <laughs> I was thinking more that they get like 18 feet of snow every winter and you have to drive. You still have to go to work, and then in That's India true. you and don't have 18 feet of snow. You just have cows and there are no a water, lot of mud. So that is drive a you, lot. You have cows which are literally like
1: as bad as running over a person especially with i mean a lot of indian vehicles especially idm uh, it's catching yeah. on and idm don't have thing. crumple zones or like safety glass or things like that too well, so like if think, you I hit think, them i
2: think the tata is safety glass i'm pretty yeah, sure it's uh, a down part yeah, that that does
1: so because yeah, it was was exported vehicle the
2: jaguar yeah. is a, another indian vehicle safety <laughs> glass well indian so. company
1: anyway well it's an indian vehicle it's owned yeah. by indians <laughs> <laughs> i like the top gear quote hello industrious little fellows i'm just like <laughs> wow that is going to go over well. Oh That's like the Falklands warplate on the 928.
3: It's and a... we're off the air in India. Yeah,
1: exactly. Goodbye, industrious little Wow, I'm going to jackknife us back out of topic. Well, hey, so this, is, this is fun, but I, I do. You, you I, finish I, up I, real quick.
2: I've got one more one Fine. more question for Randy. Randy, do you foresee any Indian companies like Tata or something like that make eventually in like the next like twenty years or so making their way to the United States or DC I, or DC you know, for that matter? Yes.
3: Well, the only ki- the only kick here is that why hasn't why haven't they done so already? I think the problem is is that they need to catch up on a lot of things. So you think with Tata using the uh, assets of Jaguar and Land, Land Rover Range Rover to be able to improve their product. I haven't seen anything that is worth coming. Now, the thing is, is that... Except for the ipace. Except, yes, the I-Pace is... It, well, it's still a Jaguar. I'm talking about Tata talk brand.
1: Oh, okay.
3: I'm not talking... And Mahindra brand as well. Because Mahindra also got Ssangyong, which almost came to America. Really? Still threatening is coming to America. Yeah, I'd be okay and with And
2: they Ssangyang haven't come to America. To America, America. They're, they're absolutely atrocious looking. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I need some ugly cars on the road. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. <laughs> I mean this, that in the kindest way possible. What
1: about a Hyundai Kona base?
3: Wow. <clears throat> you mean SEL. Anyway, Whatever. hey, listen... um <laughs>
1: Sorry, <laughs> I'm still laughing at my own <laughs> shitty joke. So,
3: push
1: <laughs> oh, sure Randy. You got this. <clears throat> yep.
3: No, we, we're done. I'm All right.
2: done. You're done with it. All right.
1: So, in the interest of moving on, uh, they total a lot of cars in India because there are cows on the road. I want to talk about salvage title vehicles.
2: Yeah, we total cars in America because yep, we also eat total hamburgers. cars
1: because yeah, people eat too many hamburgers and they also beef products crash on straight roads. I was actually driving down here this morning in the 500 I was behind a. Fourth gen uh, Rav4 V6, the guy went from the right lane to fully on the shoulder and back to the right lane. Those have a lot of three power. Three times. Those are very fast.
2: I don't blame him for doing that. If it was a four zone no, Rav4. very distracted.
1: Is why. But Actually, like, I will say the. The Rav4 V6, might, awesome vehicle. That
2: might be the only CUV I'm okay with. Did you? Oh shit! Did you see the the Matt Farah
1: one take when he was still doing those? He did a Rav4 V6 one take.
2: Oh, he did. Yeah, I did. I took one on a test drive with a customer <coughs> before I knew they even existed, and I totally forgot it was a thing. Is this guy <laughs> I used to go street racing with named Tony? Who just like appeared in my shop and I didn't know, recognize him at first. And yeah. turns out I used to know him from street racing. I'm like, so what went wrong with your wife that you're looking at a RAV4? Literally said it like that. He goes, oh, dude, nothing went wrong. I'm having a family, and this is the most fun family car. 0.60 goes, in 5.6 seconds, yeah, 30 miles like, to the gallon Yeah, he shows highway. me the, the stats on it, and it's if you're looking for a fast car, it's faster than a Bug Eye WRX. Yes. It's a very
1: fast car. And, and he, you have to change the oil once eventually. Well, you have to change the oil every 5,000 miles if you're a responsible adult. But I, I understand, but I'm talking about the typical owner that the 2GR FE was engineered around. That's true.
2: But no, yeah, and that's the other thing. It's got that Sienna three and a half liter. Yeah. Which or, is... Or
1: it's, it's better if you say Camry.
2: No, I want to say Sienna, because that's the kind of car you think of when you see that engine. Most often is a vehicle that
1: weighs about twice as much. That's true. And the Sienna isn't fast because of it, but it's still the, a really good car. The Sienna
2: is a very good car. It's not fast, but it's really good. And this one is... Awesome. And it's got all wheel drive, so it actually gets off the line. I don't like so, all wheel drive. It, yeah, but it's you know, you would I'm comparing this yeah, to the WRX. Fine. But it, that's a that's a
1: pretty cool C V.
2: Anyway, I'm sorry. I detailed okay.
1: this. Salvage title cars. The main reason I want to talk about this is because back when I first started actually buying used cars, I started to come across a lot of good deals, you know, on Craigslist and things like that. And I would see this salvage, prior salvage. Or, like, certificate of destruction, I would see a lot of times. And I'm like, okay, what does a salvage car actually mean? And I think that that varies a lot from state it to does. state, it insurance does. company to insurance company. So it matters who writes it off, why. Because there are some states where if you sell a car with a bad head gasket or something, they put a salvage on the car. That's true. Because it's not operable. It doesn't pass an inspection. Yep. So, like, um, the, the MRT Spider shell that I bought came up from Nebraska, and that had a thrown rod through the side of the block. car had never been in any crashes, no flood, no issues at all, except for the fact the engine was completely horked. So I had to go through the Minnesota state salvage inspections, which I'll get into in a second. But I want to know, just asking first off simply, have you guys ever owned a vehicle with a salvage or prior salvage or rebuilt? Have you ever driven one? And what do you think it means? Or what does it mean to you? Not what you think it means, but what does it mean to you?
2: I um, owned one. Okay. It was a parts car for one that was not, but I did okay. drive it. Sure. I, really, I drive my parts cars because I want to, before I take the parts off of it, I want to make sure they're good. Yeah, um,
1: same. That's Tested. the thing is,
2: Savage Title, so we're really close to the state of Illinois. Yeah. That's one state I will never touch. If there's a car that's ever been in Illinois, yeah. and being, if it's got any history being titled there, I'm very thorough with
1: my inspections It's the of Florida it. of the Midwest.
2: You have to have... So to, to salvage our car in Illinois, it has to be 75% <sighs> of its vehicle value mm-hmm. in damages, uh, body damages, not mechanical. Right. So it's also... So you can have something that's like a minor flood car mm-hmm. that gets titled. And you can have stuff where, you know, 75% of the value... Let's say it is a, you know... Well, I'm just gonna, just to make it easy. A Mitsubishi Mirage, because yeah. sure. that's $20,000 in top kit. Uh, a $20,000 car, you have to do $15,000 worth of damages. But in let, me,
1: let me retort, I guess, real quick. A brand new car like a Mitsubishi Mirage, if you crash that thing, like let's say it's a five-mile-an-hour impact to a trailer hitch on a pickup. That's true. Right front corner. You blow five airbags in that thing with three people in the car? Yeah, that's... You're, that, that. You're already at yeah. like $10,000 with new bags.
2: But I'm thinking... So when you're looking at cars that are older, yeah. So I'm just like a car costs twenty thousand dollars. You can do fifteen thousand dollars worth of damages in that vehicle. So say you have like the world's cleanest CB Accord or something,
1: which is probably going to book out for like twelve hundred dollars. So if you do seven hundred dollars worth of damage to it, which you will do immediately, that's, that's
2: not a big problem. I guess that's a bad example. Uh, A third-generation Supra—that's a ten-grand car. I think
1: on a brand-new car, your argument is really valid.
2: Well, I'm more worried about older cars,
1: but those don't book for anything.
2: Well, no, not necessarily, because you get E thirties; those book for quite a bit. No, they don't. They don't. They don't book for more than because they're actually going up in value. They go.
1: I know, but they do Kelly Blue Book. They don't do NADA, and And they don't take actual sales into account because nobody sells one on Auto Trader. Yeah, that's true. So, like, if I if I booked like Harry's convertible, yeah, that thing probably books for like fourteen hundred dollars. Okay. Okay, that, so, that makes sense. Like my E30 M3 books. For I like,
2: still, I, I still, whenever I see a salvage title vehicle, I agree. I
1: take that into account. It concerns me. I mean, yeah. I didn't know that was a state law for uh, Illinois. And because insurance yeah. companies, when they total a car, it's it's their prerogative how much of a percentage value. That they take to total it. Yeah. Some companies are as low as forty. Some are as high as ninety percent of actual cash value for repair cost. Yeah, and if you get something that's like a forty percent, it's a you know a, a used car. Like that's, that's nothing. True. That you broke two headlights. But
2: but then, but then you're stuck with trying to resell it.
1: Right, and that's a thing. And
2: I sell. I sell. Whenever I buy a car, I have the right. idea of. You know, potential
1: of income like yeah, you do exactly which and is that 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 just you would I, never I, want to buy a clean title sell it as a salvage i would say that
2: yeah i would no <laughs> i never do that i will never ever buy a solid shell car but because would I want you the return just
1: because you're looking at a used car say so everything is completely equal mileage year options everything say the car is seven grand for a clean title one what if the prior salvage car is 47.50 would you take the leap and take no. that if you had a PPI?
2: Not really, no, because it's trying to get out of that car is gonna be a nightmare. I don't think so. No, it really is. Like if you're if you try to sell it to somebody, yeah, that's gonna add, that's gonna add eight trillion questions, Tim. If you take it to a dealership, yeah, that's gonna be a no, an immediate no go or a five hundred dollar trade in value.
1: Okay, I've watched but why, that happen. Nobody would
2: do that to a car like that, though. No, it's I've seen that happen. Where I had somebody that bought a first car for their kid, yeah. So it was a, uh, I think it was, a, it was something like some Mac car is actually like worth some money, like a GMC Envoy or something. Sure. And they tried to trade it in. Okay. Car was normally worth about six or seven thousand mm-hmm. dollars, somewhere in that ballpark. But because of a salvage title, we wouldn't be able to put it on a lot. Right. So we were going to take it wholesale. It. Yeah, we're yeah we well we're going to wholesale it. We're <laughs> going to take an L on it. It's going to be we're going to have a hard time moving it. We yeah. have thir- we have sixty Ignore days to dealerships. move this. Yeah, but I mean... For the sake I mean, of the argument. Yeah, but I mean, like... Well, no, that's what I'm saying. It's like, People
1: that buy prior salvage cars do not do anything at dealerships.
2: Well, no, a lot of these people do because it'll be, it'll be a first car for their kid.
1: They don't care. Then they bought the car by accident.
2: Well, no, they bought it on purpose <laughs> because it was just way cheaper, but it was one of those things where, yeah, like you got you did like 10 miles an hour in, or five miles an hour into the back of a city bus and blew out the uh, steering wheel airbag, yeah. and that was the salvage title. Mm-hmm. So things like that will destroy the value on a car. For a and, dealership trade-in, yes. Yeah, for a dealership trade-in. Now, let's say you're selling Craigslist. Yeah. Well, now this guy's going to want to haggle with you even more. He's going to want to take all the money. I don't think
1: that stands to reason.
2: That totally
1: Uh, does. I sold Gray Fiat last year. Yeah. I got more than book value for that car.
2: So um, well, that's also on on your Gray Fiat, which was a very well cared for car. Exactly.
1: But a lot of cars that have that title marking were fixed properly. And somebody that I will say is a very good salesperson. Well, yeah, I know that. But I mean, still. But to
2: it, Joe Schmo for Randy? <laughs> still, but
1: like a lot of people Randy out there. Randy a hell of a time. Especially younger folks, they don't know what the fuck that means. Like, is it going to be an issue to title this and get plates for it and drive it? Like, no, hell no. It's been no, fixed but th- but then
2: what they're going to do is they're going to take that car for a post-purchase inspection
1: because people do that, which is stupid. The people that bought my car took it to the Fiat dealership and had a PPI done. And they asked if it was a good car, and the dealer said yeah, no no problem here. But that's the thing is hmm. you're
2: going to have that post-purchase inspection. If you get somebody that's less cool than the people you sold it to. I understand, but they took their car to a main dealer I, I and underst- had an inspection. I, all right, I understand that. And you had a really good experience.
1: But believe it or not, there's a lot of douchebags in the world. I understand. But I'm just saying, like, if a car is a prior salvage, it was fixed correctly, and it's taken for an inspection, there will and be no reason to walk away. And then they're no going to find some stupid
2: away. thing like a, like a tearing rear sway bar bushing, and they're going to the try and have you be on the hook w- for it. you have 800 phone calls a day. That's why you do it's a bill be... of sale. Yeah, but you want that... that for any car. Yeah, but that's the thing, is there's going to be a whole other crop of bullshit that you're going to have to go
1: Ryan, through. Right? yeah, I agree, but you're going to have that even if your car had a clean title for a post-purchase inspection.
2: You have a much higher likelihood with a salvage title. Totally do. I disagree. because No, because then people have to say, well, let's go like, like, yeah, to salvage title. I'm like, yeah,
1: it was a front-right collision, and that's a rear-left sway bar end link.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing. <laughs> you're, you, but you're going to have to sit there and have that
1: conversation. Yeah, I personally maybe, maybe don't not. have time for that.
2: I, agree. So I I
1: appreciate that you are that, being devil's advocate. That it's brings nice to me, have the that, extreme.
2: That brings me to saying I wouldn't touch a salvage title. Okay. And that the, my the, the other reason is is that most of the time to get top dollar, yeah. like that that shit's not going to fly. No, in a you, you don't
1: do that to get top dollar. You buy that to have a nice car for a cheaper amount of money. And I, you you agree that you're going to take a I much lower like, amount to sell
2: the it. The only time I'd ever really take a salvage shuttle, yeah, is if it's something that I'm like really, 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 really about, and it's to be a car I plan on keeping forever, right? Like if it's if it's like a E31 Skyline or an R31 Skyline. Mm-hmm. So if it's if it's R31 Skyline RS Turbo, mm-hmm. or sorry, no, it's not the RS Turbo. It'd be the GT. The GTSR semantics. Sure. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a R31 Nissan Skyline GTSR. Yeah, I would take that with a salvage title if it was perfect.
1: Right. And but I mean, okay, yeah. I, I but agree. that's because that's something I may keep for on a special car that you're not intending it, to your resell. Your Ferrari. Yeah. To you. I would have bought that like, car with a prior salvage. For yeah, sure.
2: something like that would be worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's fair. But right. if it's something that I plan on ever selling in my life, no, yeah. not dealing with that. Okay, that's fair.
1: Randy, how about you?
3: I do my best to get away from any salvage title car because I know what the legal ramifications are. What are they? Well, number one, uh, like you said, dealers are not supposed to sell those. Right. As, as, you know, as practice.
1: Okay, I'm going to add qualifiers to this. Ignore all dealership facets. Well, it, no, because that, just that's Just you personally, what does a salvage set. title mean to you?
3: What a salvage title means to me is that somebody damaged this damn thing yep. and uh, decided to rebuild it, yep. resell it, yep. and it's going to be a bitch for me to try to get uh, it titled, licensed, et cetera, to go through the legal ramifications. The only on issue
1: it. is resale. As far as uh, title and registration, that's and exactly
2: what I was leading
3: to. Is no, I, 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 well, actually, no, I, you, you do
2: you do have state to state. So in Minnesota, we are pretty lenient for getting stuff titled here, oh, right? Yes, but are. there are <laughs> there are other states where you do have safety inspections, yep. which a salvage yeah. title from. So if you try to get a salvage title in Illinois registered in, say, California, then yeah. you're going to have the worst time of your life. Exactly. But if it was salvaged
1: and, in California and brought up here, it's no. like, whoa, really no problem. But
2: again, that, that's another thing with the <clears throat> salvage title. Yep. Is no, it, there's it's there's so about. many caveats. It turns a s- relatively simple process of running across right. no man's land to buy right. a car into running across no man's land to buy but a car. But motor we pride but,
1: ourselves on being a local podcast.
2: But it's also, <laughs> a, la- it's also a minefield.
1: It, it isn't, though.
2: Well, no, I mean, if you're depending with all the caveats, I've done this like 30 times. I I get that. I understand that. But I'm saying if you look at all the caveats for everybody else's situation, you've worked out your exact situation. I understand down.
1: But the people we're talking to on the show are probably in Minnesota. They're probably people that don't, you know, they'll they'll look on Craigslist for a car. They're probably trying to buy above their punching above their weight money wise. So So like I I I do appreciate that both of you guys are bringing up these things because they are totally valid. That's another. You can't bring it to a dealership. That is another thing. Um, If you have safety inspections, holy shit! Yeah, Uh, (laughs) especially if you're
2: in Virginia, D.C., Maryland, but that's assuming that the car hasn't been fixed properly. Well, no, even then. Like there are things where you you're gonna have to get the you're gonna have to get the service records in some cases. If you get that service record of the repair, if that shop went out of business, then if, you're fucked.
1: Yes, if you want to circumvent the visual inspection from the state-sponsored facility.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, and I guess another thing is the state of Florida. Uh, don't ever buy a car from the state of Florida don't, just saying don't that buy one with, don't buy one with a clean title no. from Florida because Florida that's a red flag Florida's one of the states where so normally if you have a car that's yeah, got could, a salvage you title you could
1: total a, sorry you could title a toaster in Florida if
2: you have a car with a salvage title uh, in most states yeah and you rebuild it it becomes a rebuilt title yep. or it stays salvage yep or Florida on the other hand they will allow you to do a clean title mm-hmm. if you do everything like we've said that's correct and, and their inspections aren't that great. Their inspections are terrible. And yeah, again, it's you can title a toaster. Yeah, y- they will it, if you if you have a VIN. Yeah. that's like reasonable. That's if it pulls up sold, as something, if yeah. it pulls up as something, you can get a VIN off a of Nissan Altima, yeah. and you can slap that's that onto the Skyline's. Yeah, literally, you can slap it onto the skyline.
1: That's where all those seized cars came through and then Florida. You, and
2: then you can be really good and have your car done, taken care of and then have it get crushed in like 10 years when yep. you're pulled over for running a stop sign. Calculated man. risk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So stay away from Florida.
1: Yeah, do not buy a car from Florida is the main takeaway from salvage titles.
2: Well, there's, there's one where a guy, um, there's a story I was reading on a Nissan farm, I was I was doing some research on the Nissan Tsuru. Mm-hmm. which is the Mexican continuation version of the early 90s Sentra.
1: Yep. And
2: this guy bought... I only
1: know what that is because of you. Thank you.
2: <laughs> this guy bought a really clean <laughs> Nissan Sentra sedan. Okay. And he got pulled over. Kind of the same thing. He, he uh, ran a, a yellow light turned red when he, was in the, when he was about to cross the intersection. He got pulled over for a yeah. dick cop. Turns out his car, his title was only registered to the VIN on the dashboard. Oh. But the cop, being a dick, popped the hood to do uh, some emissions inspection Mm. bullshit because he's from out of town. He was in a state where it was like that. The VIN on the chassis was different. Aha. The cop noticed that. Turns out the car was from Mexico. It was a 1999 Nissan Suru instead of the 1991 Nissan Sentra XE. It was badged and titled (laughs) as. And the... Yeah, his car got seized. Of course. Uh, and he, it almost got crushed. He eventually had to he had to go through a whole load of bullshit. Luckily, mm-hmm. he got super lucky that car is not reported as stolen in Mexico. Hmm. Bought the car from the original owner in Mexico, so he had to buy it a second time to wow. get the title sent to America from Mexico. Had to get a show or display only title. Then well, he was, How
1: was that worth? That was the cleanest car ever. He
2: apparently did, like, a bunch of work on it. He okay. had, like, an SR20 swap and everything. Like it was, like, a really, really nice it's a Sentra. It's
1: display. I mean, when we talked well, yeah, to Brian, he, he I mean, that do- he not like, easy.
2: He did all this on his own with, like, oh just consulting a lawyer. Yeah? Like, but, yeah, no, it was it was three years of bullshit for yeah. running a red light. And the thing is, is the car had been titled... A, he bought it from Florida. He yeah. bought it when he was on vacation in Florida. He goes, this is a really, really dope Nissan Sentra. Yep. It's got a manual transmission. It's everything I want. It's got some minor modifications to it, which I like. Yep. Um. And, yeah, that, that's the thing is he ended up getting burnt from buying a car with a clean title in Florida.
1: So yeah. I, I think what this topic is turning into is uh, the power of the pre-purchase inspection is huge. Yes. And never, Major. ever don't yes. do one.
2: But, Randy, is there a car that you like enough that you would get it? Roll you, the dice. You, that you would actually roll the dice? With Assuming a you're shuttle. getting a PBI no. and all that kind of stuff.
1: None. Okay. Nothing.
2: Now I get DeLorean mm. or something? Not or... even
1: a DeLorean. Even if it's a quarter of the price, I it can't fit be. in a
2: DeLorean. What are you talking about? Well, I don't, I don't know what kind of car you're super passionate <laughs> about.
1: <laughs> okay, well. I can't
2: think of anything. I
1: can't think of anything. Yeah,
2: I think, um, yeah, well, a Countach, of course. But oh, I mean yeah. It's still going to be rig- ridiculous regardless. No, i
1: think on a supercar as long as it's like any supercar I'm okay with. Yeah. As, long as... as long as it wasn't a Flood.
2: If you can find out why it was salvaged, that's the thing. I think that's the that's the rule here: is mm-hmm. find out why it was salvaged. And that's and, that's
1: a big one for me. Is like when I buy a car that's crashed and rebuild it, I only have a couple that I've done that with, but I have diligent photo records that go with the car. Yeah, and I show them to the owners, and they're like, "That's it." I'm like, "That's it. That's why." It's if got this if it, the if toe. it was
2: a if it was salvaged because of a flood, stay away from it.
1: Yeah, yeah, especially a modern car. Especially had, a car that's got I've the modules in the floor.
2: Audis in the last six months at work yeah. that we've had total write-offs on because of flood damage. One guy that Houston
1: flood a couple of years ago, the stuff is still kind of working around. Yeah, they are. Florida. Yep. And now, oh, now yeah.
2: we got the hurricane in uh, North <clears throat> yep. Carolina yep. and then pff, any hurricane that's ever gone through Florida. Um, all of them. Yeah. Literally all <laughs> of them. Or you're just <laughs> daily flooding in Miami. Uh, which is a real thing They have,
1: they have like Specific uh, California Emissions models They should have like Specifically built Florida flood models Where all the All the crucial <laughs> modules Are in the headliner Yeah they should They really should actually
2: Exactly <laughs> one of these Cars you rode off it Is now a salvage title Is the guy His sunroof uh, Clogged The sunroof drain Yeah yep. And it filled the side floorboard With water Yep Corroded out the module underneath the carpet, yeah. The module underneath the carpet control module, body Ooh. control module. He can't get into his trunk, Ooh. none of his windows roll down, doesn't have anything that works. So, guy, it. he's like, Well, how much will it be at the fix? I'm like, Well, it's a 2002. Uh, sorry, it wasn't, it wasn't a Audi. it was an out, it was a Jetta oh, or okay. a Passat, rather. <laughs> he goes, Well, it's Scrap a two... it. it's a 2002 Volt Second Passat, it's about fifteen thousand dollars worth of work. He's like, What? And I'm like, We have to remove literally every piece of the interior and replace every single wire, every wire, every module, every wire that's not part of the engine management system has to be replaced.
0: Yeah,
3: I'll give you guys a lesson that we learned long, long time ago. Uh, when my brother got his first car, okay, uh, my mom was presented with a 1970 okay, keep in mind this is 1977. That's fine, yeah, all right. So, uh, there was a a mudslide that happened at a um, in parts of Los Angeles, to Kell's surprise, uh, there was a Ford dealership that took the brunt of the uh, mudslide out in a place called Sunland. Mm-hmm. So my mom was presented with a 1976 Pinto for my brother. Okay, and we we later found out she was like, "Oh, that looks interesting." Uh, you know, it was a steal, uh, pretty much. But then we found out we didn't buy it. But we, then we found out. That there was mud damage inside the Pinto in the engine bay, in the interior, underneath the carpets. She said no,
1: mm-hmm. and
3: my, there was no way she squashed that. So from that lesson, from that point, tells me flood damage, mud damage, salvage title, stay
2: away. Stay that away. is actually a mud damage, just something that we don't think of. But yeah, yeah uh, that's, that's
1: kind of a regional thing. But I mean, it's a big thing. That's worse than a flood. Yeah, oh, yeah. and even like. I'm not, I'm not to the same extent, but like sandstorms and stuff like that. I mean, that gets in parts of the car and like sandblasts the corrosion protection away and yep. does massive that damage is very, to wire jacketing. Very, very true. So, I mean, yeah, I, I get you. I, I mean, think, I the, think cars that are super collectible, like super collectible. I think it's the super collectible stuff, and I think it's the people that are willing to read into how it happened.
2: Yeah, and again, at that point you have to be a car enthusiast because if you touch a dealership, right. ship, you're going to be screwed. Yeah. Um,
1: I, I don't think a lot of uh, like washing machine-grade widget cars get salvage titles and don't end up in a, uh, a scrapyard.
2: Well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm more curious about cars that are end up being salvaged before they hit collectability.
1: Yeah. So, that, that's, that's huge. So something um, like a Supra. I'll tell you. Uh, Lamborghini Murcielago. Yes. I have experience with this one because I've done a lot of research the last couple of weeks for other reasons. <laughs> a clean-ish... Uh, we'll say a clean 15,000-mile six-speed manual first-year Marcielago is worth about two hundred and ten to $230,000. If you get one that has a clean title and a documented crash on record but no title mark, it's worth about $40,000 less. And if you get one that's a prior salvage, it's worth one hundred to $110,000 less.
2: This is exactly what I'm talking about. And, and as that, that car appreciates,
1: I think that that Golf that those price values sit at will stay the same. So they will appreciate all of them, but I you know, that there's always going to be that $110,000 price discrepancy. So in that case, if you found one of those things and you could see how the damage was repaired or whatever on the collision, then that makes more sense because then you could you could pass the the loss on to your your next owner and still make a profit on a salvage title vehicle while enjoying it. But a caveat would be if you have a car that's made of exotic materials like carbon fiber, aluminum, and if there's any sort of panel bonding, just walk away. Yeah. Because, so, I mean, the, the logo is all steel, so it's all pretty nice. Yeah. That's easy to fix. A body shop knows how to work that kind of stuff.
2: Something like a Countach where everything <clears throat> is, the entire monocoque with the exception of the doors, hood, and trunk mm-hmm. are all one piece. Yep, All the fenders are welded together. The whole mm-hmm. roof line welded together. And they're all handmade. Yep. So no two will fit together. If you get... If you, like, back into a kuntosh and you, like, crinkle a fender, mm-hmm. you're fucked for $50,000. Because you're yep. going to have to... Yeah, it's like going to be like rebuilding a building.
1: It's like backing into a concrete pillar with a Lotus Elise. Basically, because yeah. Because the clamshell is destroyed and that thing's $50,000 to replace.
2: But that's exactly that. So, um,
1: salvage title Elise, on the other hand, if you can confirm that it was a clamshell issue, you buy one of those. But, Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm... I guess I'm
2: more... <laughs> The thing I'm, I'm kind of wondering about is there are a lot of cars that, like, you know, they're on the verge of collectability. Yeah. And a lot of people are picking them up. Sure. For, with salvage titles. So yeah. Supras, NSXs, RX7s, 3000 GTs, mm-hmm. which there was this 3000 GT automatic SL that sold. What? For five digits on BAT. It had, it, it had, like, it had low mileage, like super low mileage. But an that's automatic not, SL. I think, like, that's somebody that what i think that is i think it's just like a rich idiot that doesn't know like the difference between an SL and a VR4 cuz it's that's not the difference that's not the difference between a, a non turbo and a turbo supra both of those are very good cars the turbo supra is just much better that 3000 GT SL is front wheel drive and it's automatic and it's front Engine exactly. and it's non-turbo and it doesn't have the active aero. It doesn't have the active suspension. It doesn't have any of the active cool shit that you actually buy the three thousand GT
1: four. Well, we didn't get it, any of that shit in the U.S. market car because we, yes, we did all of it. That was of it. No, problem. no, we
2: we actually got all of. We got none fun. of the
1: active aero. Yes, we did.
3: We certainly
2: did.
1: Really? Yes, I thought that it. was GTO only. Nope. That was. An, that nope. was there American was something wing. that got left off. What was it?
2: Uh It would be the non-active wing on the later. That's model. what I mean. The active. Yeah, wing. Thank you. The, yeah. No, the non-active. They had a fixed wing on the last two years of the GTO okay. that we did not get, we and that's
1: desirable somehow or no? No, oh. it, it looks it looks cooler. Okay, so that must be what I'm thinking of then. Yeah, but it's I know it's there was not, something that the GTO not, had that our three thousand GTVR four never did. Yeah, no, ours is actually way better in every way. Janus appears completely frozen. Wow, I'm surprised that thing is usually super skookum. <sighs> anyway, you guys say no, I say yes. Moving on. Anyway, uh, speaking of collectability. <laughs> We had, like, a rash of Audi
2: TTs at work today. Okay. Or not today, but this week. We're there open Monday through Friday, 830 530. Mm-hmm. We're located on uh, 6th Street in Lowry in Northeast <laughs> Minneapolis. And if you have your car service, be sure to go to our coffee shop and tell them that your car is being serviced for a free cup of coffee.
1: Anyway. And the shop name is Good Karma. Yes, I should probably plug Probably should yeah, put the <laughs> name in there.
2: Shout out to Bill Jap. He's an awesome dude. He is pretty cool. I love, I love Bill.
1: He's the best boss ever. Um, I've never been there. I know nobody there, but I recommend that shop. Your brother went there. I have never been there. I don't know anyone there except for you, and I still recommend that shop all the time. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the TT, I was kind of
2: looking at them. A first gen? Like, the first and second gen. It doesn't really matter. Oh, but, man, I mean, okay. if you if you look at them, like, I'm wondering if they're ever going to be, like, really collectible. Because if you look at the pros yeah, of them. no. If you look at the pros of them for Audi collectability, okay. it is... Uh manual, yep. all-wheel drive, uh-huh. turbo, mm-hmm. um, convertible, optionally.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, it has a racing pedigree. It's got a common platform to other cars with the 1.8 liter turbo. Now, I do know the cons are way too many. It's a hairdresser <laughs> car, and they've got ridiculous electric problems.
1: <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean. And it's a Haldex AWD and all that kind of um, crap. I'm wondering if that's ever going to be kind of collectible. I, dis- I don't think so.
3: I'm gonna to have to add that say no because no. the fact is is that the they reputation made way too many too. Well, that's number one. Oh, that's the big <clears throat> one. Is their production numbers were so big because so they is the Miata? This was going to be, yeah, well, that's
1: true. Not really but, collectibles though, just really good cars. No, the, right.
2: The, I mean, a good decent. The, Mi- the Miata. I just got the blue screen of death. Oh, that's oh, awesome! Oh, um, clap. We're done. <clears throat> no, so the uh, like well, a, no, the, the Miata. They had a, they made a trillion of them,
1: and I think like a really clean, low mile, hard top, two twenty five someday manual sure maybe it'll it'll appreciate but it's not going to be a collector car
2: and then cars that are unreliable but collectible any lamborghini
1: yeah most of well actually Lamborghinis seem like they're they fairly suck. reliable no, they suck
2: they didn't have wiring harnesses until the late 1980s
1: yeah i know but like the engines themselves and the had, mechanicals like well, yeah but i'm talking about electrical at, problems yeah I'm but talking like you about can still make that car run
2: yeah, after you do fifteen thousand dollars rewiring the entire nah, interior a, put car. a couple of switches in there. So <laughs> let's let
3: me ask you this, and this is a sideball, uh, you know. Uh, that's fine. We do that a lot. Yeah, we do. Um, Z three, the original. Uh, oh yeah, totally, totally, totally,
1: So
2: that's a collectible. 100%. So you see, there's,
3: there, you see, there's, so Those there's are already this, on their way up. Yeah, right. but
2: that, that's the thing is, like, there, there are these cars. They have to, they can overcome their stigma. But it, that's the thing is that
3: okay, they can. Uh, the Z three's come overcoming his stigma. Mm-hmm. We know a couple of people that have them. Um, no,
1: I had one. I love. Yeah, you it. had one. They're great cars. I found yeah. one in Saint Cloud that's orange for thirty five hundred bucks. It's really hard it. to Not buy that. Buy it.
2: First gen Boxster, which we know had some yeah, problems. Good car. I still. hate that car, but I still I still admit that that car will be worth quite
1: a bit of money. So They're worth a... nothing right now. Right. So like, the, you could pick up a pretty nice Boxster for $4,000.
2: Any car that's worth less than it performs okay, yeah. will be First, collectible. Yeah.
3: First-gen <laughs> SLK. And I'll tell you another hairdresser car.
2: Yeah, that, that's where it, that. That's where it, this is my train of thought. Is um, I, I
1: think a manual SLK. I maybe. thought of
2: those three cars appreciating yeah. Yeah. and I'm like the Audi TT is going to be on that list because that car totally falls in there. It
1: will appreciate like a nice one with the right spec will appreciate. I, exactly. I don't think that necessarily Necessarily means it's going to become a collector car.
2: I, I mean, that's what all you know. People also said that about the nine forty fours.
1: Yeah, the, again, those are appreciating. They're not collector cars.
2: Mm-hmm. The, yeah, they're the nine forty four turbos. Maybe those an S two or
1: like a late turbo. Yeah, it's it, going to end the, up in a collection. The rest of them are just being kept nice to do fun things with. Well, but they're appreciating.
2: I mean, there's still there's some that are kind of collectible i i don't know i th- i think as much as i hate the tt and this is the thing is i really hate the tt no it sounds and, like you love it Ryan. and well no it, it yeah, makes it re- you do. it makes it really hard for <laughs> for me to be um to be uh objective about it or I guess subjective whichever one i need uh for me to be you know not have my emotions into this about how i feel about i the think car. objective objective i think yeah, that's, that's word i'm looking okay. for yeah to be objective about the car, it's really, really hard for me to do that. And that's so that's why, for you to that's to do that on everything, it's fine. Yeah, and that's how I was that's how I was wondering. But yeah, Randy, like you said, there are all those other quote unquote hairdresser cars, Miata included, yeah. That yeah. are they're greatly appreciating and I they're approaching, you know, hide it away in a vault level. Right.
3: I, I, yeah,
1: for a nice one, yeah. Yeah for I, a nice
2: one
3: and also, like you said, specifications. So now we have to make the distinction, okay. Uh, will is it is an S more desirable yes. than? Of course, is an RS more desirable? Of course.
1: What I want to point out is there is a point at which most collector vehicles go from mileage and specification appreciation to condition yes, appreciation. Correct. I don't think TTs will ever get to con- condition appreciation. And
2: that's exactly where I'm. I think it's to. all going
1: to go down to the specification of the car because they yeah. did make so many of them. That is true.
2: I, I think I think condition.
1: Um, and I think the BMW 8 Series is in that thing, too, because they made so many fucking automatics that the cars that are actually appreciating, I, they're, they're the six-speed ones, obviously, but, yeah, but they're, they're being weighted the, they're down so, by the autos. There's because so
2: many shitty 8 Series in the world. There are, but there are also
1: <laughs> so many mint automatics, and the people shopping for a six-speed are going to look at the car that's in the exact same condition with the exact same miles, and they're just going to buy the auto one, even that's... though it's a way worse car. Well, so that car. Is I guess kind of an- another
2: of another example of that is, I could see that happening with the eight eight series that goes to condition because of electrical yeah. problems.
1: They Any, na- they have none.
2: Yeah, but it's, doesn't it doesn't have that early canvas system.
1: Yeah, but it doesn't fail. The only issue they have are the throttle actuators every like ten years.
2: I think cars that have issues with electrical problems. I yeah. think
1: th- I think condition over phaetons is what you're yeah, thinking of.
2: Can I mean specifications to be important, but I think condition
1: will be the make it or break it of it. I think so, too. And I,
2: I think that with a TT, electrical problems are going to be if it breaks or not.
1: A biodegradable engine harness sound like a good idea to me. <laughs> and that's exactly what I mean. No, it's like... Um, Thank you, Mercedes and Audi of the 1990s. <laughs> yeah. It's
2: exactly that. Like It is.
1: The jacketing on the wire is literally well, designed to biodegrade.
2: The R129... Condition is more important than specification. Yeah, it is. I found that out when we were selling Bill's R one twenty nine. Is people were asking about the wiring harness? Like, what the hell are they asking? We, oh, a wiring harnesses is biodegradable? It's
1: worth mentioning, like ninety three to two thousand one Mercedes uh, chassis harnesses. You just don't want any part of that. Yeah, the jacket exactly. literally will fall that's, off the wires and that's all what the might, systems. My cut on off for
2: wanting Mercedes is nineteen ninety three. Like anything older than ninety
1: three. They have, le- uh, not lead, fuck, but they're not water-based paints in 93 and prior, and they are 94 and up. Yeah. So and they took, them, took Mercedes a lot longer than most companies to figure out water-based paint. Yeah. The, you look at a 94, uh, W124 versus 93. That's true. Same mileage. Which one is in a junkyard turned into a washing machine already because of rust? S- uh,
2: the uh, letter first or letter second, or number exactly. first. Yeah, SLS. when they went
1: from uh, 400E to E420. You want a 400E. Yeah,
2: that's what I've always said. The number of first Mercedes is the one to go with. Except for our SL, that thing's been pretty good. Yeah, trust me, you're an outlier. I've seen a lot of <laughs> particularly <laughs> shitty SL 500s. But ours is a
1: 600 with the Bizean on, second facelift, so it's worth doing everything too. But it hasn't had any issues. The harness is still fine. I check it every year. Sorry,
3: folks. I'm going to stop with the SLs at the Pagodas because... Every time I look at the post Pagoda, SL, I'm going. The R129, or yeah. sorry, the R107. R107. Yeah. No, yeah. look at it with which the Euro are five, front. End.
2: Which, are, which Can all... you pull up a picture of the Euro front end R107? Yeah. yeah. No, the European front end changes how you, your outlook on that car. It I does. I know but what I'm you mean. The Pagoda is, is still a way more attractive
1: car, but. Yeah.
2: I mean that. Get that one that's second row, uh, second from the right. Nah, I like this one. See, that's but, a good front end. Oh, it's a fucking YouTube yeah, I, I don't know why you're doing that. Oh, actually
1: it's fine. Yeah, that's that a slow looks, walk around. But yeah, yeah. That, that's a euro. That yeah. looks
2: really good. It that's... looks
3: really good. I'm not <clears throat> talking about looks. I'm talking about I think dollar for over dollar... My, over my lifetime I have seen tens, hundreds of thousands of cars. They look they're like they're like Chevrolets back in Beverly Hills. No, no,
2: I they, they are. You're right. I mean mm-hmm. that's like that was the car everybody had. Like that right, was the two exactly. Playboy car. But I think that that's the thing is, I really like the Pagoda, too. I agree that the Pagoda is a better car. Is Much better car. Is the Pagoda $50,000 better? No. Not, not yet. at
1: all. No, not at not all. Not yet. I will take an SL. It depends on the Pagoda, and it depends on the R107. I will,
2: I will take a 560 SL any day over any Pagoda. Oh, I would not. Because of price.
1: It, it's worth it man the Pagoda is so much more handsome
2: now it, as i say if you're asking me about the uh, the 190 SL from the 50s oh, yeah. that one i will take over the Pagoda
1: i i'm kind, okay so the 190 was the convertible um, mainly. They the 4 zone, make... Yes, yeah. Which is The is least is Good desirable Good powertrain, The least desirable one. Like, yeah. that and the Pagoda are kind of on the same level for me. I really like them both, but, like, I don't know which one I'd choose. But, like, okay. the Gullwing 300, no question. Yeah, of course. Anyway, I like the 107. The 129 is my you favorite.
2: pop up the uh, notes again? The computer's just totally oh. bricked. Yep, hold on. Thank Let you. me
1: turn off the screen broadcast before I do that. Yeah, well, just to right. not. There we go. There was
3: one thing I, I wanted to bring up before we get into the next step sure. real quick. The reason why I'm here. Yeah. Um I want to talk Audi e-tron.
1: Okay.
2: Yes. Okay. I like electric stuff.
3: That. Yes. Well, uh and I know we're going to be talking something else electric in a little bit, but I just want to jump in because we're riding off an Audi topic, so let's go to another Audi. Yes. Okay, so I was in, I was topic. in San Francisco uh this Monday. Uh and I want to thank the Washington Automotive Press Association uh all those people over there got me in there with Audi. So we went to San Francisco and eventually to the old Fort Plant in Richmond for the unveiling of the e Tron. Now, this is. Is it
1: just a model called the e Tron straight up?
3: That's what it's going to be called. Hmm. Is but, that,
1: it's, right now, it's a sub model, right? For like the A3 and the R8. And... It's its own car. Well, now it is.
3: Well, now it is. But the thing was, is that when they were using the name, they were talking about a plug-in hybrid. <laughs> this is a full EV.
1: Okay, nice. So
3: this is a two-row uh, crossover SUV, one vehicles we really love here. Yay, uh, CUVs. I'm yeah, so happy. I know. <laughs> Why are you that's... telling us about
0: this? <laughs> well, because What, what I am would... I gaining?
3: You're not. Electric uh, stuff, hopefully. Electric, electric stuff. I'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> so it doesn't look like it's weird. It's design and with current uh, audi dna so it looks like the rest of the lineup uh, size wise it fits between the q5 and the q7 it has a two motor system which means it is essentially a quattro so two motors are driving
2: also known known as all-wheel drive so it's it's completely (laughs) completely electronic
3: exactly so it's a full battery electric now it's a flat battery pack just like a tesla there's 36 cells in there. Okay. Uh, so as I mentioned, I said sounds familiar. Yes, it's a Tesla. Not a lot of EVs are being designed as such because they usually put the battery pack in the back and it's usually a, a clumpy little thing. So they decided to do like to take a, a page out of the playbook so, and just put the battery pack between the two
2: motors. So is
1: this a, a, a new platform for them then? So they yes, can do that. Yes. Okay. Absolutely.
2: I, just, um, I don't know. I feel like if you're making a new platform, why are you making it look like a Q5?
3: Agreed. Uh, right. Now here's the one big dis- here's <laughs> one takeaway, or actually non takeaway that happened, that didn't happen when we were there. They never mentioned what the range was going to be, and they never meant they never give us any MPGE ratings at the unveiling.
1: That's,
2: they okay. they caveat. It well, it's because they're probably lie about. So it says ninety five kilowatt hours
1: exactly and two forty eight.
2: That's just how that's how now, that's just guesstimate. Yeah, like, they well, never all said AV anything.
1: ranges are. Glorified guesstimates. Anyone that says over 200 miles on any Tesla is just fucking high, just smoking the reefer.
3: Can I just say this? Anyone who buys a Tesla must be high. I would buy a Tesla. Exactly. Well, of course.
1: (laughs) As we learned on the podcast of Elon Musk.
3: Yep. So now the last point I'm going to make is okay. You could do a fast charging uh, on this one. There's I was actually... going to
1: say it's got the it, so it's got that new industry standard connector, right? Correct. So it's like the J1772. I forget, they call it CCS. Yes. So, so it, it supports the full. Okay, so bear with me. The uh, that connector infrastructure supports up to 150 kilowatts of DCQC. That's right? correct, and it takes advantage of the maximum.
3: So, therefore, 80% charge in 30 mi- in thirty minutes, and then they do have level one and two available. Uh, Can you
1: imagine level one one of those things? No, don't. <laughs> I want to try it. If you ever get a really high kilowatt hour uh, EV, I want you to please bring it to my house, and we'll plug it in <laughs> and level one ever. it and see how long <laughs> it takes to go from 0% to full. It will take forever. I know. It would take like three days probably.
3: So that's why I went there. I'll be honest. I mean, it was, uh, I mean, everything, everybody was like tithering. I mean, there were 2,000 of us. Mm-hmm. Not not everyone was media, but they brought media from all over the world. So there was a few of us from the United States that were there, especially those I know. Sure. A lot of dealers were there. A lot of the brass from and, uh and Herndon were there. So I felt it was one of those trips where – if you're on the C and D list, you're going
1: um, cease and desist list. No, yeah. no, no, no. Cease well, car and driver. Oh,
3: well, that too. I don't think. I don't. Think, I think someone was there from C D, but I don't care. But we're talking about A list, B list, C list. Oh, of, yeah. I, okay, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So because the A listers were in Santa Barbara driving a uh, the new Lincoln Nautilus.
1: That looks like a Tiguan. It does.
2: Well,
1: like I said,
2: it... oh, it, if, has... if you're gonna make Wait. a new car. Why are you, why why would you make it look like a Q5?
1: Nah, it does not look like a Q5, it looks like a Tiguan.
2: Yeah, it's same thing, they're kind of the Tiguan looks way works. Okay, is. here the same thing was said
3: about the EQC which is Mercedes-Benz's uh Yeah, that looks like a GLE,
1: GLE. It
3: it sounds like a GLE GLC, uh I don't know, maybe because of the fact that they don't want to go as buck like on the Model X Tesla. Uh,
1: and I appreciate the fact that they're they're probably trying to poach current uh, internal combustion engine vehicle drivers by doing that, but, right? Yes, They're trying is, to ease the transition.
2: Isn't this is, this... is This is supposed to be like a new platform, though. It's an absolutely new right. platform. Do you remember when BMW made a new platform for the BMW 7 Series in the early 90s and it looked just like the one from the 80s and nobody cared? No. About the car? Exactly. Nobody remembers that.
1: Because it was a variation of the same chassis. E32 d e it,
2: it was still a different... Chassis code. Yeah. Is, oh, yeah, for sure. The parts are not interchangeable. Like uh, a lot the of them bo- The body panels. I mean. Oh, yeah, God, no. That's no nothing I mean. above the, the hard bo- points. The body is not interchangeable. <laughs> right. So that's what I'm talking about. <clears throat> I feel like this is what, that's the mistake
1: Audi's making. and then They all, do that on every model. It's all evolution, nothing revolution.
2: Correct. Yeah,
1: I, I think that's, that's a good point. Well, I mean. When yeah, they, I get why they do that, doing the slowing. The B6, to, B, B6
2: to B7, they had a big change in the rear. Yeah. I get what you mean, though. Or no, I guess uh, B, B4, I was say, B4 to B5 was huge.
1: That, yeah, that's that's been, a paradigm shift. B5 yeah. to B6, you could see a lot of the, the design language. But beyond that, I mean, the, until you got to the B8, I really, you know, B6, B7, I thought were pretty similar. Yeah, How are you doing on time?
2: Uh, I I want to get to my last topic. Okay, that's <laughs> okay. fine. I'll sorry, fill, I'll fill it. Sorry, I have to I have to go to
1: a wedding this evening. I'll stay on Etron with uh, Randy and for my final topic. Once you're gone, Bill. Uh, yeah, do yeah,
2: we'll we'll do it. I'm gonna head out a little bit early. It's uh, Andrew Chase's wedding. If you happen to be listening to this for whatever reason while you're at work, and uh, Andrew get. Back to work. Cause Congrats! we were supposed to talk to people. I ha- like I I'm like happy. their
1: cats a lot. They have fantastic I mean, cats. Clarice is pretty cool too. Clarice is pretty cool. I like and the cars. congratulations cool to people.
3: Andrew for the we- for their marriage. And you congr- know, congratulations
1: exactly. on your car not being slow anymore, Andrew.
2: Oh, his car. To be fair, his car was super slow in high school, but since has not been.
1: For I, the I majority, did not say that with any irony. Yeah, I like his car.
2: His car is just ridiculous <clears throat> fast. As, uh it, well, I, I think it might be close to the record for stock head, stock head bolt power. It's really on a, fast on a
1: GSR. Yeah. it's a really quick car. I was up at PG One watching that thing run, and it was like, damn. Yeah, <laughs> he, he boogies. Yes, it um, does. <laughs> anyway, yeah, let's let's move on to your... But anyway, I want
2: to I want to talk about. So we were talking about Etron and Audi's platform here. Can we bring up the Peugeot uh, concept for their electric car? Because that can. is way cooler well it's way nicer I looking agree but this is the thing is I, I i pulled up this particular one the auto express at uk one yeah because this one they actually go into it. apparently the autonomous mode is uh not full-time it's optionally autonomous
1: yeah, that's beautiful, isn't it? Oh my god. Oh, what the hell happened to in the inside though? Yeah, I oh, know, right? Cares? Well it's a concept car. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I do man. like oh yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, that is
2: ev- like that's the everything that
0: 504.
3: That is yeah. not
1: possible to make that with current safety regulations. Look at the size of the A pillar and the C. Yeah, I know,
2: I know. But um the Look at the Fiat influence the, yeah, right here, man. Or I just think the Nissan IDX. Yeah, yep, yeah, I can see that too. Reminds me of the IDX. That car looks really good. But anyway, it's got 400 horsepower. It's all-wheel drive, electric, full-time. This
1: is what an electric car should look like.
3: I, <laughs> you know what? And that's exactly... That I'm, I'm, on that. yeah. I'm
1: on board with this that. I'm
2: on board with that. This is exactly what I want. If It's
1: they, a 1970s fiberglass van chair wrapped with like modern eco-textiles. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's really cool. I
2: love that. This car, top to bottom, is just perfect. Oh,
1: my word.
2: Uh, I really. It's got wireless charging, oh, like a big phone. the old badge. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, Yo! the old badge. Yeah. It looks like a wireless phone. It's got a little wireless phone charger thing for it. Weird. Uh, it does have a Thomas mode, but it doesn't force it upon you. Uh, my one caveat here is if this goes into production, this will be very cool, but I have a rule of thumb with a car. Which is? If it will let me kill myself in it, it is cool. Okay. If I can turn off every single safety assist yep. and drive it off a fucking bridge, Yep. I want to be able to do that. Yep. Because otherwise, it's to get in the way when you're trying to have fun. Like, if you're, because the whole point of having fun in a car is, you know, being on, driving it on the edge. And when you're at, like, if you're racing it, you're driving on the edge.
1: Or beyond, actually.
2: Yeah. Like, you're driving past the factory limits of that car. I feel like if that that car is going to, like, put itself into limp dick mode and autonomous drive myself home and make me think about my actions, I don't want that. Uh, but if I can turn off everything, I can just have a 400 horsepower all-wheel drive electric it's 1970s looking coupe. That sounds like the most perfect thing I've ever heard of in my it's life. Called the
1: E Legend.
2: Yes, apparently
1: it has a 49 inch display. Yeah, the entire dashboard. I don't like that.
2: It's a little ridiculous. I do
1: like the 100 kilowatt quoted battery pack though.
2: Yeah, that sounds really cool. At 137 miles mile an hour top speed and a four second 0-60. Yeah, that sounds very cool. And I think that this is... If autonomous driving in cars becomes a thing, this is the way it should be.
1: This is the... But b- I agree with fully defeatable stability, control, and safety systems, inf- which is why, like, drive-by-wire, steer-by-wire, autonomous stuff, like, I mean, that's all getting in the way of our direct connection to the car.
2: Yeah, and that that's the thing is this will not be as good if I don't have a feel to it. Right. Because if you ever... Randy, I guess you, you've never driven a car with a cable clutch, but if you when you drive it, I prefer a cable clutch over a hydraulic clutch. I was just about to ask how you knew that, and then I remember. But I, I prefer a cable clutch over a hydraulic clutch because you feel the exact moment when that clutch engages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I prefer a throttle cable over drive-by-wire because you'll feel the kinks in the throttle. You'll feel the braid of the throttle cable go around the, the little wheel. You'll on be the, there when yeah. it
1: snaps on the side of the road. Exactly. <laughs> um, like, I like those things. You know. That, I, I like them, but I also understand and extol the virtues of drive-by-wire throttle and hydraulic clutches. It
2: does make things better, but I mean, th- that's the thing. Is and it, that's the thing.
1: EVs are making things better, but like, it would be really nice to have the option to have things worse to make them better, I
2: want to. I want to feel like if I have a bad tire on my car, I want to feel like click.
1: Yep. Yeah. Like
2: yep. That that's what that's important. <laughs> that's how you don't die. In exactly. A car yeah.
1: Because I don't inspect my cars, but I don't feel anything's wrong.
2: Yeah. Exactly. I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, this seems fine. Steering wheel. Uh, this is weird, <laughs> but I guess this is okay. It's not
1: like a forty-five degree angle, and I've bought a lot of tires this year, but it seems okay. I,
2: I've been needing new tires since I had that giant six-inch deep hole in the earth. In South Minneapolis. Oh, bummer. Man, I need a new wheel
1: for the 500E because yeah. it's bent now. Oh, I need, I,
2: need, I need a new wheel too, but that's not the, that's the least of my issues. I, I to put new wheels on anyway. Fair enough. Anyway, Randy, I'm going to let you and Burger close it out. Uh, I got to go. Okay. Uh, I got to go right. to a wedding. Have so, fun. Please yep. give them
1: my best if you see them, yep. which well, you probably will. All right. So, Randy, back to the e-tron. Oh, yeah. All right. So, let's talk. Ah, let me get back to that thing here. Should I jump on the other seat no, here? No, no, you're, fine. you're fine there. Yeah. Okay, the microphones on. are all the same. Uh, you're of you're not. They you're are. not getting worse treatment being in seat number three,
3: or at least I think I'm well, not. Well, not worse equipment <laughs> treatment. I
1: mean, I might treat you worse, I guess, but uh, yeah. not deliberately. I think no. Seat's gonna... I don't think seat will matter. Okay. For that. All right. We get it. We treating get it. You yeah. Burgers. Yeah. That's cool. That's okay. basically what I was alluding to. Anyway, all right. you so, probably want your phone, Ryan.
2: Ryan,
3: don't forget your
1: phone. <laughs> Seeing as the GPS is open on it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay, so eTron, it's got the CCS, what do they say, 95 kilowatt. Do you know what the starting price they're aiming for is on it?
3: Yes, the starting price would be around 74 grand. However, the first edition is going to run at 87.
1: So that's pretty typical. I'm assuming the first edition is going to be all wheel drive. It's going to have the bigger battery. No,
3: they're all going to be all wheel drive.
1: So they're all going to have they're the bigger battery?
3: Be because it, well, the the thing is, is that you have two motors and they're yeah. all attached to each. Um, Axles, So they're so they're standard quattro.
1: Right. But what's the what are they going to strip out of the, uh, the the initial edition to make it cheaper? Just a few uh,
3: features, oh, so perhaps. Convenience and
1: luxury stuff? Yeah, still? pretty okay. much. All right. So they're not really going to mess with the powertrain. Exactly.
3: So there's no difference in powertrain between uh, the lower model and the first edition.
1: Well, that's kind of nice. Yeah, exactly. I like that. I mean, the whole reason I haven't ended up with a Model 3 is mainly because they don't sell the one that I want to buy yet. Yes. Which is the cheapo with the rear-wheel drive and the tiny battery. Oh, you're not going to get
3: any of those. because Not with the
1: tax credit gone. Well, well,
3: that's number one. Number two is production. So, because the fact that they decided, oh, we're going to make a lot of money if we get, like, the higher spec models. Right. But nobody wants the cheapo, really. Well, that's Uh, the thing, because the profit margin
1: is much lower on that car, which is what I want. But at the same time, I look at, you know, let's say a 2014 Model S 85. Those are thirty grand now to buy used. Yes. So you know, five grand less than the lowest cost production we got from Tesla on their new Model 3, cheapo, and the Model S. Granted, it's gonna have seventy to one hundred and ten thousand miles on it, but you get lifetime supercharging with it. You get a much more powerful motor. Aren't
3: you supposed to pay for that now?
1: Uh, you do on everything sold Model 3 and newer. Um, okay. everything after that came with free lifetime supercharging so every model s and x i believe you can go to any supercharger and charge Kay. for free which is kind of cool but at the same time the model s and x are huge physically vehicles
3: okay now the, here's the difference between the two models so okay. uh, of the three models there's three trims so first edition the e-tron. Is, yeah okay. so first edition is 86 7 and they're adding on to Prestige and Premium Plus, Premium Plus being the lowest model possible. That's 74.8. Okay. So they have an upgrade in wheels. They have a special paint, special exterior trim, and special calipers and all this stuff. Okay. And night vision assistant, which is another technology they're throwing in there. Sure. In the meantime, if you just get wait and get a, a Premium Plus, I mean, you do get 20-inch wheels. You do get a B&O sound With 16 speakers. Hell yeah. I mean, you get your MMI, you get your Matrix Design headlamps, you get phone box and smartphone interface with. uh, I mean, you have. have, That's a lot of tech, yeah. That's a lot of tech for an Audi.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that's all their high selling stuff. I mean, the BNO sound system is something almost everyone selects when it's of on the course. page. MMI, it's just kind of one of the things that people do. I mean, Audi integrates it no matter what. So, right. I mean, you may as well get the one that's actually got functionality to it.
3: So, for the most part, but here's the thing that's going to really be the tipping point is that the first models show up at Audi showrooms in the second quarter of next year. And mm-hmm. this is a 50 state car. Right. So that's, it's not okay. like. So it's not like. Uh, I mean, Jaguar I Pace is fifty. Is a fifty states car. They're yep. sold locally here. Uh, My
1: coworker, I, I I found an allocation for him locally, and he didn't jump on it in time.
3: I uh, tell you what, that's a very interesting car. The I Pace. I like that thing. Oh yeah, because and the thing is, they're trying to sell it as a crossover. I don't see it as a crossover.
1: What do you see it as?
3: I see it as more of like a, a sort of a semi lifted four-door hatch uh so it's that's like a, really a lifted panamera
1: or something pretty much okay
3: but not even that big it's okay, a real, so like a it's lifted a, ghibli yeah it's, a, it's even just about the same size as a ghibli it's probably about the same size as a bmw six grand touring sure okay so i mean but right, the that's is, the thing
1: i'm not offended by the ipace and i hate cv's Right. Because, I mean, when I was at Laguna Seca, I mean, there were two of those driving around before Popes took them out and did the hot lap or whatever, and it's that's, mm-hmm. that's an attractive vehicle.
3: It's a very attractive uh, vehicle. It's actually quite comfortable, but that, rope, that tall roof line, if you're going to have people in the back seat, I don't think so. As long as you're shorter than me, you're yeah. good.
1: Well, I, I and mean, I suppose that's not something I usually think about because I buy a lot of two-seat vehicles. But of course, people buying a four-door vehicle—that's probably a concern. So it's good to think about
3: exactly. And a uh, hatch space on the i Pace is pretty good. But but uh, then again, Audi's going back and say, "Look, we've got all this space behind the rear seat. Wow, okay, uh, that's great. It's great for families. Some that's
1: that's pretty much the same." Sort of ballpark prospect as this e-tron, then. So Correct. I mean, you're talking like seventy-two-five base currently for an i-Pace. Right. That's no options. Right. Um, I think that's before the tax credit, though.
3: Yes, but I, I don't even know what the pricing is for Model X, which is going to be the
1: target for A the lot e-tron. More, I think, than both yeah, of these. Yeah.
3: So it tells me, really, when you think about the whole thing about going after Tesla, yeah. which is the it, big driver it will of all work.
1: these yeah, I bet we I bet we see Model X sales now moving forward, especially October when we start getting volume units of the iPACE. I don't know when the eTron's coming to us.
3: Uh, second quarter 2019. Okay,
1: so I think the iPACE is going to start eating Model X sales now. Yep. And I think Audi's going to do a lot of it then. I don't know when that Mercedes
3: G- uh, EQC, EQC, whatever the hell. It
1: Again, it's probably pretty similar in specification and price much. to these two. And I like the fact that there are more long-range EVs coming to market. These aren't necessarily cars I would buy. But honestly, what I was thinking of the other day is the main reason I bought the Fajita, the FJ, is because I needed a certain set of features fulfilled. I needed certain usage cases fulfilled, which Mm -hmm. involved needing ground clearance and all-wheel drive for a couple days a year. But I also don't drive automatic. But electric cars don't have transmission, so I'm okay with them. So if I was <laughs> going to buy a new SUV, honestly, I think it would have to be electric. So these actually might be interesting things I should be paying attention to more than I am.
3: I would say so. But, yeah, I think in the specification deal is um, when I when I tell people, look, if you're looking for an SUV and it's electric, take a look at what's you know, the power, how the power system is taken care of. Yeah. If you, I mean, if you already got the electric uh, architecture to charge up and you'd be able to have quick charge. Yeah. And that's a thing.
1: Cause when you have one of these things, anything over 30 kilowatt hours, yeah, you need level two, you need double level two in a lot of cases for a lot of those. Exactly. I mean, if you've got a, a potent 40 amp level two at your house, you're okay. Good. Cause I mean that, that can reasonably compensate for a shit ton of daily driving. Yeah.
3: Now here's my here's my pushback on on EVs, and I know you're an EV owner, and yeah, uh, but I
1: also own a lot of V12s. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. I but own, I own way more things that get fewer than 12 miles to the gallon. Than and I do again, EVs. and again,
3: you know, this is because of the fact that most of our listeners are in Twin Cities. Yeah. Even though every time I try to come in, it's like I bring in America- uh, you know, cross country and Canada, which is fine.
1: But, I mean, we, I, we yeah. have listeners in other countries now too good but <laughs>
3: hello international listeners yeah um, I, i'm too lazy
1: to bring up the the thingy but we do have a couple international listeners right
3: now. so the, the problem is is with the twin cities it's the charging uh, it's the charging infrastructure especially public charging infrastructure okay thankfully this, the city of saint paul was the first you know adopter because they were doing a lot of charging stations publicly tied into charge point yeah, their downtown. backbone. Mm-hmm. That's their backbone, throughout yep. downtown St. Paul. And then they were also talking about, if they haven't done so already, they were talking about charging points at Como at Como Park. They were conservatory. Talk, and the conservatory mm-hmm. and some other things. So Yeah, I haven't been
1: around to see if they've done that yet. Um, I don't
3: think I've seen it yet, but and I need to. That's
1: going to be, the, the charging infrastructure build-out is going to be way more important if they continue selling low-range EVs like mine. Yes. Where you, pr- I mean, you would benefit from plugging in pretty much everywhere you stop. Exactly. But if you're driving one of these 90-plus-kilowatt-hour behemoths around, you could easily do a full-day's drive anywhere right. without needing to top up. So I, I think for PHEVs and sub-30-kilowatt-hour EVs, that charging network is really important. And we will continue Agreed. to see it roll out. But I think a lot of the focus we'll see is going to be on that CCS stuff at motorway, you know, interstate-type gas stations. I don't think we're going to see a ton more of the J1772 seven, seven, two, level two stuff around at like grocery stores, and I hope we do. I hope I'm wrong.
3: I well, I'll tell you what. V just opened up in uh, Robbinsdale, which is the closest. What's cl- up, Hyvee? What's I love up? that. They always have level two chargers. L- yes, they do. And are uh, the charge points still there? Are they moving to yes, something else? Yes, they're still charge points. Okay. Uh, which I'm a member of. And me too. High five. Yep. And uh, but you know me. I mean, since Hy-Vee is open like about maybe a walk from the house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So next time I have a You'll plug-in. You'll be using that for sure. <laughs> I'll be using that. I'll probably just leave the damn thing. Go into a restaurant, grab some food. A lot
1: of the charge points um, at the Hy-Vee's will limit you to, I think, six kilowatt hours, and then they'll either slow it or stop it. But, that, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, you're not going to be realistically shopping for more than an hour.
3: Unfortunately, though, I, you know, when the last time I had a couple of uh, plug-ins, yeah. I mean, I had the. Uh, Chrysler Pacifica. Pacifica, and then before that, the uh, Prius Prime. Sure, is okay. I noticed that I didn't. I was on the third. You know, about maybe two thirds of the way. Yeah. Uh, when when I was done, and I was there, and I tried to extend my time. All right, I was yeah. like trying to kill the time. So an hour later, you want to get back in your car? It's like, oh come! I didn't get to my full charge. Well, sorry.
1: Well, I mean the the it's limited to the you know, the weight. I mean everything is factored in when they're engineering a car. I mean, yeah. a, a higher kilowatt hour onboard charger weighs more. I mean, adding well, level three right. and stuff like that. So in my car, it's a 6.67 kilowatt charge controller, and that's just because that's what they had room for.
3: Oh, yeah. I forgot about the Outlander PHEV I worked with. couple uh-huh. of them. couple of them.
1: Oh, geez, more than one. Oh, well, at least it's not the Eclipse Cross. See what I did don't
3: there. get me started. Okay. All right, fine. I gotta. I'm working on that right now. Unfortunately, I'm working on oh, getting man. one. Oh man,
1: I'm glad we got you on again before that happens, so we can have you do it and then forget about it before we talk to you again.
3: Well, I'll find. I'll know more in about a
1: couple of weeks, at least. Okay. So, well, we uh, don't. We don't want to hear about the Eclipse Cross. No,
3: you won't. <laughs> okay. You'll probably see it on Facebook, but I won't.
1: That's fine. I can scroll past that and do the angry react. <laughs> and razz you for it <laughs> yeah
3: well you know that's that's the kind of guy that's just I am. who i it's am just exactly. that every, yeah but then again on the flip side everyone was snapping Ooh. necks on that lexus uh lc500h yep
1: well it's a very attractive car
3: very attractive car very complicated hybrid system though
1: was that plug-inable or no no that is but, so dumb no, but the thing is, is that this is Toyota's
3: parallel system. But well, what they decided to do is to extend the parallel to transmissions. Okay. So what they did is, you still have the electric motor, you still have the three point five liter V six, which is combined horsepower three hundred fifty four. Mm-hmm. However, they decided to mash up the transmission, so the part of it's an ECVT and the part of it's a automatic geared automatic transmission. Okay. So that's where the multi stage comes into. Uh, I You know, it's I've been trying so hard to try to explain this to people. I even get confused myself because that is, whatever they did mm-hmm. works.
1: Right. And that's the bottom line. Well, I mean, line. Toyota's been ironing that in one form or another. Granted, the first-gen hybrid Synergy Drive system looks nothing like what's in the LC500. Exactly. But, or H, that's worth saying in the back. But they, they figured it out. I mean, it's completely seamless. But I just, the benefit you get... From having the weight of that system, unless you live in a crowded downtown area with regulations that promote owning a hybrid, I just don't see who would buy that over the regular LC 500.
3: And that's a very good point because this is the problem that I with Lexus is that okay you could sell an LC 500 with the V8 and you're gonna get those true grand touring uh, customer. Yep. But then they'll look at that hybrid and they're going, Well, thirty miles per gallon, I might just consider it Right. Away. But
1: what if they had jammed the two G R FSC into the L C and sold us an L C three fifty? What would the highway fuel economy be?
3: Uh twenty three.
1: I bet it wouldn't be. I bet it would be twenty-seven or twenty-eight. That's a Possibly. really aerodynamic car. Possibly, but the reason why they can get that highway fuel economy because a hybrid doesn't help you on the highway at all. No, it doesn't. It's oh the, no, it's all down to the synergy drive and the, the transmission. So I, I'm just saying, if they put a more Oops. efficient, you're good, a more efficiently geared transmission in there with you know a V6 engine option, which I'm not suggesting they do necessarily. But no, no,
3: no. Because the the rumor has it is there's going to be an LCF. Okay. The problem is though is that Right now, RCF GSF is about 467 horsepower in the V8.
1: And they're still using that same...
3: 5 liter. Yep. So in order to do this, they have to they have to shoot from the moon, 650 at the minimum. So that's the rumor. Now the question is, what kind of engine will that happen? Will I there bet be it's going be a, boosting?
1: a 4 point something liter twin turbo V8
3: which don't get me started on LS because I'm a little disappointed that they went twin-turbo V6 versus a V8 on the standard
1: model. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a fair point. Maybe it will be a boosted. Maybe it'll be a variant of that engine.
3: Yeah, but I'm looking at that engine bay, and I'm going, where are you going to shove those turbos?
1: Oh, the LC engine bay is bigger than that. No, it's not. Well, not with the hybrid crap in there.
3: Well, okay. I looked at... when well, I looked at the V8, yeah. they still shoved a lot That's of true, actually. A lot it's got of plumbing. Those,
1: it's got those, I don't know if they're magnesium or aluminum, but the top of the front strut um, carriers, the strut yes. mounts. I mean, because those you've seen
3: are, what's underneath it. They're big.
1: Yes, they are. They're huge. Yeah. But I mean, the thing's got gigantic diameter springs for the ride quality. So, I mean, you lose a lot of the engine bay space just due to that.
3: Yeah, which, I mean, everything is just enlarged in that car. They'll find a way to package it.
1: And I haven't looked into the new Toyota twin-turbo V6 to know if it's a hot V or a cold V engine. So whether they put the turbos in the center, if they put them down below, uh, most modern engines that are V configuration and forced induction have a hot V, so they can put them right on top. And if you can do that, then the packaging is really efficient because you don't have to worry about the steering linkages. You don't really have to worry about any of those hard point interference issues.
3: When I eventually get an LS, uh, the dual I'd like LS. i like to look at it. Yes. I, <laughs> yeah, it's already been spoken.
1: Okay. <clears throat> All Well, I think we beat that one to death, but I, I still wanted to talk about it because I like EVs and new stuff. So Yes, you do, actually. <laughs> I,
3: that's why I was uh, brought it up to you and saying, hey, yeah. when well, I was in San Francisco, I said, yeah, uh, maybe Eric would be interested in this. I am. I, I don't I... know about this other guy. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, he's Ryan. not here, so we can
1: razz him all yeah, we Yeah,
3: that's right. Hey, Ryan. Pfft. Anyway. um. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was
1: aggressive, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: no we love we love the guy to death that's why i have to you know it's uh <laughs> wow
1: oh, <pfft. laughs> i don't think i've ever given somebody one of those on the podcast so you've definitely stepped it up enough.
3: thank you i I'll, I'll take full credit for that
1: sounds good well randy thank you very much for coming down thank mm-hmm. you for suggesting the appearance based on the Etron stuff and uh you're welcome and for being a good sport with us putting up with all
3: that no, it's all good i appreciate that thank you for having me
1: of course we'll catch you guys next week I'm not afraid of